0: Okay, here we go, go, podcast number 196, 196, this podcast has been inspired by our basic uh, pandemic situation in a very weird, indirect, yet super cool kind of way. And uh, it really has to do with the interactions we now do wearing masks. Because so much of our face cannot be seen, we have to kind of guess or extra listen. You know, we don't see the mouth expressions, which really gives us a lot of uh, feedback, like human uh, body language, body language, baby. So... Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. I've been, you know, now that Biden has taken office and I work for the federal government, uh, there's a lot more guidelines about wearing masks and just interacting with people. Not that long ago, I smiled at this lady walking by and she said, oh, I could tell you were smiling because I could see your eyes smile. And I generally put in a little extra effort into my eyes to make sure that people can tell that I'm smiling at them even though I'm wearing a mask. So I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about the interactions of masks. Lately, I see people kissing through their masks. Couples, I think it's so sweet and cute. But then, I, you know, I recently started contemplating, reminiscing, I guess, is maybe the better word, about my pilgrimages in uh Nepal and two of them in Tibet and how they wear masks now when, in 2020 I went to Nepal right before the pandemic broke out in the United States I think I left February 28th 2020 got back on the 15th of March and then days later everything shut down but in 2019 I went to Tibet, and again prior in 2017. All three are basically Buddhist pilgrimages. But in 2017, I noticed that a lot of people wore masks. I mean, people wear masks in Nepal and in China. But in Nepal, a lot of it has to do with how dusty it is, especially Kathmandu, especially Kathmandu. Really dusty and a little bit gritty, my uh, cab driver, who I had for a number of days, the driver at the, the hotel I stayed at, uh, he said, what do you think about Kathmandu? And I said, yeah, Kathmandu's a little gritty. He said, yeah, there is no shortage of grit in Kathmandu, but very dusty. Now, and and a lot of pollution. China, on the other hand, maybe not so dusty in some cities, but certainly very polluted in some cities. So understandable why in Kathmandu and basically Chengdu, China, I saw a lot of people wearing masks. And then, uh, but in Tibet, the air quality is very good. The It's so clean and fresh and crisp in Tibet right now. Both uh, in uh, central Tibet near Lhasa, where I was in 2019, and then, but 2020, I was in eastern Tibet, near, near the, in the Kham area, and it is just, the air quality is so clean. But I did see a lot of people wearing masks, and mostly a lot of women, m- much more than men, in very beautiful masks. Right now, masks are really catching on in the United States. Of course, we have to wear them, but what I mean is they're becoming very fashionable, You know, people are matching colors. You can get cool things on your masks. I saw a Crown Royal mask, Crown Royal bag mask not that long ago. Probably not that safe, but super cool. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of Star Trek masks and just, you know, checkerboards and everything, everything. Hot chili peppers, all of that stuff. Uh, And, you know, in Tibet in 2017, I noticed that Some women wore some very beautiful masks covering their face, you know, their nose and mouth. And uh, it, it was actually quite stunning how it matched their clothes. And some of them were just so extremely elegant. If I can say that about a face mask. And then I was commenting on that to someone. Uh, I don't know if they were on the pilgrimage or it could have been one of our tour guides. And they said, oh, well, Alejandro, that that's not really designed for, you know, keeping the dust out or viruses or anything. That's more of a cultural thing and a fashion statement. And I said, well, all right, I understand the fashion statement side of it. That makes sense because because that young lady in that mask right there, that's a very nice looking mask, but it doesn't look like it works. And they said, well, uh, no, no, it is a very beautiful mask. But culturally, they're wearing it because they don't want the sunlight on their skin. And, you know, of course, in Tibet, people wear a lot of hats. And if you don't, you are going to get fried. Just the angle of the sun and the altitude and blue sky galore, transparent blue sky before me and the vast, vastness of the sky is just incredible. And I was thinking to myself on that, and I said, oh, it's, they they don't want to get dark, and some Tibetans are very dark, and older Tibetans, their skin is so wrinkled. And as, you know, I was contemplating, this person said that, yeah, it's really about not getting sun on their face. So, that you know we, we, you know, we tend to wear hats. Apparently, that person was Tibetan that I was talking to. Uh, uh, women tend to wear hats, so do men, but women tend to cover their face more to protect their face from the sunlight because pale skin is uh, revered in Tibet. The more fair your skin, uh, the more sense of cultural beauty you have. Now, that's not always the case in the United States. Uh, you know, we like to tan. I love laying out in the sun. I want my skin to get darker, right? But in other countries, it's about fair skin. Now, I love alabaster skin. I didn't see that much of it in Tibet. Uh, and then I was with my good friend Shannon, who's a Lama, Buddhist Lama. She's tall and blonde with blue eyes. So when we were walking around, we totally stuck out because... She's a very tall blonde with blue eyes and and fair skin, and I don't have two hands. So people just wanted to take pictures with us in 2017. Yeah, totally amazing, totally amazing. Okay, all that commentary. And uh, basically, I want to talk about the girl behind the mask. You know, and of course, I see very beautiful, very beautiful women, young ladies, uh, wearing masks, you know, the interaction really now is about with the eyes. Not that it's hasn't been in the past, but uh, there's a quality when you can't see more than half your face. Your mouth is covered, and uh, excuse me, I have a cough drop in my mouth. Um, when I was in Tibet, we we. Basically, I was on a—of on a, a, course, it's a, it's a religious—it's a Buddhist pilgrimage, but I'm also on a medical mission, right? So I spent five weeks in Tibet and China, and two, two weeks and two days were uh, going through Tibet to get on this medical mission for my Buddhist teacher. And the One Path organization that's part of the Dzogchen Sri Singha uh, Foundation— they do this medical mission to Tibet. My Buddhist teacher is born and raised in Tibet, in Eastern Tibet. So we went to his village, is the only word I can use, uh, and and we did a bunch of medical work. Now, I'm just there as basically crowd management and security and control and all that kind of stuff. And all the other doctors are women. And they're, you know, it took us three days to drive in, one day to set up. We did three days medical mission. We had a day and a half off, maybe two days off. We did three days medical mission, one day to pack up, two days to drive out. And then I spent one more day in Chengdu, and then I actually uh, spent two more weeks in China. I went to the Shaolin Temple, and I did a Buddhist martial art pilgrimage to the Shaolin Temple, went to the cave of Bodhidharma, and then spent a couple, three days at Hoikos temple over there at, uh, at the, the Shaolin Temple at the Shaolin Monastery. But when we were in Tibet, we did our three days medical mission, and then we had a day off, and we went. There was some event at the Shakya Monastery. So four schools of Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, Nyingma, which is what I study, the Nyingma. There's the Kagyu, uh, the Galup, which is the Dalai Lama, and uh, Shakya Galup, oh, uh, uh, Shakya, Galup, Kagyu, that's the one, Kagyu, and Nyingma. All right. So uh, we heard that some very high Lama was going to be doing some teaching over at the Shakya Monastery. We worked so hard to get there. I'll tell you, it was such a huge gathering. And then, of course, you know, we kind of stick out. You know, we're Westerners in eastern Tibet, which is hard to get to. So we you know, we totally stick out. Um, yeah, it was like a rock concert. You know, there were thousands and thousands of people there. And then come to find out that he was going to be somewhere else. So everybody shimmied off. And then we were in this next little area. And I'm, I, you know, I just kind of walked out on my own. I was like, oh, I'm just going to get on the road. I kind of, you know, squeezed my way through all these people. And there are hundreds and hundreds, if not Just over a thousand people lining this street side, waiting, like waiting for this lama, this high Buddhist teacher to drive by or something. You know, people want to see him, this kind of thing. And uh, it was actually quite an experience, you know, and it's interesting because I, you know, I stick out for two reasons. One, I'm not Tibetan. Okay, now I have a little darker skin and I have black hair, so that's one thing, but just my facial structure doesn't, I'm not even close, right? But I don't have two hands and I stick out because in Tibet, if you don't have two hands, you are basically homeless. So people are looking at me for a few reasons, but also like, how come you're not begging for money right now? (laughs) Which I always thought was kind of interesting for that culture and, um when I was waiting with everyone else, you know, people are just milling around this kind of thing. These two young Tibetan children notice I don't have two hands and they are totally intrigued with my body, right? My arm and they're staring and pointing and looking and we start interacting and we're having a little bit of fun and it, you know, and this happens to me all the time. If you've been listening to my podcasts all the time and, uh, You know, their parents are kind of cool with it. Now, everyone's starting to notice, and I'm kind of noticing that people are noticing me, and I'm looking around, and now, mind you, a lot of women are wearing masks, but I look over, and there is just this, like, internally so beautiful of a Tibetan young woman. And she's kind of, like, looking at me, looking at these kids, and I can tell she's with her boyfriend, But we just, we make eye contact and there, we had some kind of connection. It was very visceral and it was very powerful. And for the short amount of time that we were hanging out, we could not really not look at each other, right? And uh, now it's easier for me because, well, one, I'm single and two, I'm alone in this crowd. She's with, obviously her boyfriend, but we keep sneaking peeks at each other, and it's very special. We're having a lot of nonverbal communication with our eyes, and, you know, can I say flirting? Maybe, yeah, Um, but there's something deeper there, like, is it the interaction that I'm having with the kids that she's intrigued with, or is it just... Just her absolute inner and outer beauty because there is no doubt she was very beautiful even though I could not see most of her face because it was like covered from the top of her nose all the way down. Basically, I could just see her eyes under her hat. and But I was so enamored with her. Like, yeah, I just, I couldn't stop wanting to look at her and Whenever I was looking at her, she was looking at me. And when she wasn't looking at me, when I was looking at her, (laughs) she was finding a way to look. And, you know, we were just waiting for this monk to come by and, you know, now I'm having a good time with the kids again and we're laughing and they want me to pick them up and we're doing all this stuff. And, of course, nobody there is really speaking English. And... I don't know Tibetan. So everything is nonverbal. And, but there's a quality to nonverbal interaction that transcends uh, human uh, language barriers. And uh, I'm having a good time with their parents. You know, we're all taking selfies. <laughs> and obviously the lamas not coming. People are starting to leave. I, there's a murmur, you know and I kind of look around for that girl that Tibetan girl behind the mask and I she was nowhere to be found nowhere to be found and then you know I can see my friends starting to gather we're about to drive off we got a little picnic that we're going to go to and and uh so I start walking through the parking lot and I look up and I can see her getting into her car and she just looks up at me and uh I just my I just stopped my heart dropped Right. Like I completely melted when I saw her and she, you know, she took a moment too. like I could tell she wanted to get out like she was getting into her car. I could tell she wanted to get out, but she's with her partner. And I just I just look at her and I totally melted and I covered up my heart and I just I just gave it to her. And she obviously gave me a beautiful smile and she got she got into her car and I walked off. And of course, I've never seen her again, and I only interacted with her for maybe seven minutes, you know. But it's just one of those great quality things in life when you connect with people. I mean, is it really like a real deeply physical attraction or anything? Something is there. But to this day, I mean, I've never forgotten her. And during certain stories of my pilgrimages to Tibet, uh, I bring this up I think it's a very beautiful story. The image of the girl the the young lady that's in the uh my uh, on my website, my featured image for this podcast is not that girl. Like I I I wasn't really in a position to take a picture of her and I thought it would be inappropriate with her boyfriend around. But there is a picture of this uh young Tibetan woman who, who we met driving into driving into eastern Tibet. Uh, this is a great short little story. Uh, we saw that there was like a nomadic family of Tibetan horse herders and they just travel around this area with their horses and then they offer rides to people driving by, right? And you can pay a fee and they'll take you on the horse and do all that kind of stuff and This was one of my first deep interactions uh, with people realizing that the way they looked at me was there was something else there, you know. So I show up with all these people, you know, they know that we're travelers from out of the country, you know, and uh, maybe there's some interaction about what we're doing there and why we're doing it, this kind of thing. But I just noticed that all of this whole horse herding family, this nomadic family, all of them are staring at me. I mean, like, and I don't mean looking at me because I don't have two hands. I mean, there's something else there. And later, I was talking to a friend of mine about it who'd also uh, been to Tibet. And they were like, he was like, oh, yeah, Alejandro, that they want to know why you're not homeless. (laughs) And it took me a while to figure that out. And then when I was in uh, when I was in China, in the Tibetan, in Little Tibet, the little section of. Chengdu, China that's just all Tibetan, uh, referred to as the Tibetan business quarters. There's a lot of homeless people because they are missing a leg or legs or arms, this kind of thing. But there is a guy there who only is missing a hand below his elbow, just like me. And uh, yeah, I almost didn't want to give him money, but you know, there he is. So yeah, people want to know why I'm not homeless. And it it was a weird, it was such an interesting interaction because I could tell they're like, yeah, we don't really know what to think about you. And some of them let me take pictures of them. Uh, Some of them didn't. But in the end, I got I, I took some very beautiful pictures. And then this woman wanted to take a picture with me. Right. Because I noticed that she stared at me for a very long time. And that's when I was like, oh, let me take a picture of you. And then we took a selfie and then that's my featured image. But that's not that we had a connection, but not anything like this other young lady. Like. I'm speechless, basically, we, it was so powerful, so precious, so special, so something. I mean, that's my take on it. I don't know what hers is, Uh but you know, it's like, you know, even the even the girl in the image for my featured image, right? I mean, it's just the girl in the mask. That that's all I can say. This podcast is just about that because we deal so much with masks now. And I I had such so many experiences kind of dealing with them in other countries, talking to people wearing masks and all of that. And you know, people do it for all kinds of different reasons, but I think it's interesting I think it's interesting how how all that's coming into play here in the United States, and it's it's bringing up just a lot of memories of my travels to Tibet and Nepal and even China, right And uh, this year this year I hope to get to Nepal maybe in late August, early September. I would love to go back to Nepal. But if not, I have another trip planned to Tibet, going on a pilgrimage with a bunch of people from Boise, the Boise Dharma Center, 2022, and then I want to go, I got another pilgrimage to China uh, sometime in 2022, we'll see. So hopefully I can get to Nepal this year. And there it is, my friends, that uh, ended up being twice as long as I wanted it to be, but I for whatever reason, enjoyed giving you a little more. I'm trying to experiment with shorter podcasts. I'm not quite sure if you like them long, if you like them short, you like them thin, you like them tall, you know, Uh, you let me know. But yeah, we're going to be rocking this one at about 23 minutes and that's a fair amount of time to be sharing some of my pilgrimage stories with you. And with that, my friends, it is time for me to check out as mama likes to say, stay safe be cool. See, I told you. He's strange and wonderful. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Alejandro with One Hand Speaks. Find me online at onehandspeaks.com and all your social media outlets.